Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 88. Thank you, as always, for listening. This week, we're going to talk about buying into your own financial plan. As always, make sure you five-star rate and subscribe and support the podcast wherever you're listening. We also have what's in the news. We'll discuss the markets and other areas of the news and business updates. And as well, question of the week has returned. So again, thank you, as always, for listening, and I hope you enjoy this week's show. All right, we will talk our market update this week. And we actually had an interesting you know, week in the markets. And one, volatility is back. It's been a steady upswing of the markets. Um, a little bit of volatility recently just because of rising concerns about inflation. Supply chain issues are very much still a topic of discussion. Um, so in the earlier, earlier this week, we saw a little bit of a pullback in um, tech stocks and the overall market. And just based on also, you know, the... The yield, the 10-year yield went to about 150 basis points, which is the highest we've seen in a little bit. Uh, it has since kind of leveled off. Um, and a lot of people are, you know, just discussing where valuations are right now. We're discussing, you know, just a little bit. I think people saying they're stretch valuations, but again, I think for, I guess, for long-term investors, you shouldn't be for funding your accounts for income. You should be funding your accounts for retirement, which if you're a younger person, said retirement is two, three decades out, which in this situation, buying um, in any downside or, or pullback or, or slight retrace is actually a good, good thing for you. Um, and so that's that's the basis of where we're at right now. Chip stocks have kind of taken a hit. Uh, we bounced back a little bit yesterday, and today the market's kind of whipsawing back and forth. Um, but you're really just seeing um, fading rallies, and you're seeing a little bit of buyers come in, but then push back with resistance from sellers. So it's just a kind of a whipsaw. But you know, for long-term investors, you have seen a couple of great opportunities here um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, and September is typically the worst time for markets. September is typically the worst time. Uh, if you look back over 100 years of data, really. So this is not nothing new. And then if you close out the quarter, you usually see kind of a rebound here, closing out the year. Um, and so that's kind of our market update. Let's switch to business news. We have a new IPO that is probably more popular in the millennial Gen Z area. We got Warby Parker just went public yesterday. They still haven't turned a profit. But a lot of people like Warby Parker just in the sense that they were one of the first to kind of pioneer that direct-to-consumer glassware area. I don't wear glasses myself, but everyone else in my family does. And I think they said like 76% of people struggle with eye, have eye problems and wear glasses in the country. I think they said somewhere around there. So they have obviously a total addressable market that's pretty huge. Um, and I don't think the glass eyewear um, area of the market's going to be disrupted anytime soon. So they're in a great place, strong brand, but I, you know, it's new company. So, right. So the market's going to assess how they feel that they're doing fundamentally before, you know, you see, you know, any movement really in, in this kind of stock one way or other, but it was a direct listing. Um, and they're really focusing on retail. They're opening up stores, which is kind of counterintuitive for a company that's done so well in, e, in on the e-commerce and space. Um, and, and transaction digitally, they're now saying, hey, we want to focus on shift to, you know, opening up stores um, and physical retail. So that's quite interesting. We'll see how that plays out. I don't know. Um, but they're obviously done great at growing their business. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, to see United Airlines, if we move over to, you know, and it's not something I like to talk about often, but the vaccine news, you know, 
vaccine policy, companies are going to have different policies. You see the federal government has policies. So United Airlines said that they had to fire 600 U.S.-based employees or they're facing termination after failing to comply with its vax policy. Um, you'll probably see that across the board with different companies that have these vaccine policies. Um, and you're now shifting the, the big talk to the NBA, which is starting up, you know, what do we have a month or a few weeks out? The season seems to come by so quick. We just started the NFL season. And now they're saying that there's some Brooklyn Nets star, Kyrie Irving, who is unvaccinated, and he would have to sit out at all the team's home game this upcoming season. Um, and the NBA is not mandating, man, mandating vaccinations, but New York City does require it for anyone entering an indoor arena. And they're saying around 90% of NBA players are already vaccinated, which is much higher than the U.S. overall vaccination rate. But again, Kyrie Irving has some different, you know, personal things on his own. Again, I've stated obviously that I'm vaccinated and I think it makes sense for all of us, but you know, a lot of people are bucking that system and I don't know their exact reasons. You have to ask them, but it's going to be interesting. You see that pull and tug and pull of people uh, when we're talking about, you know, if it's a health choice or a choice that affects all of us, which I, I believe it does, um, or if it's people are saying, hey, it's a personal choice. Um, and that's something that we'll see fight back more and more um, from, from people when the vaccination mandate comes down. If we skip over to social media news, we're seeing TikTok. It had hits 1 billion users. So TikTok has actually hit 1 billion users or one eighth of the people on this planet. That's kind of crazy to me to believe because it's still a relatively new social media platform, but it first hosted its first ever TikTok world event, an event to inspire brands and TikTok for business clients to spend money on ad bucks. Um, it's still the least trusted platform, you know, privacy areas um, and different things that's still um, worrisome, but um it's still you know shrugging along with getting in users and their algorithms seem to be better they're they're really focused on that gen z that the younger generation and those millennials um on the, on the lower end of the millennial range to really drive user growth um but they're doing some different it's really interesting to see what this TikTok is doing i'm not really on that platform but um they're they're growing like crazy uh and i i do hear from people that they just spend time on it we've talked about it on the podcast before uh, but it's it's crazy to see how this plays into the whole effect of, of our big social media platforms and where TikTok fits within that. Um, it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really interesting to see which platforms really drive advertising, what do drive engagement within advertising, and how they really use those shopping. Like saw so Instagram shopping is is becoming a thing without driving users away, right? Because users want those features to a certain extent, but then they also don't want them uh, too much. So that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. Moving on to more content, Netflix actually bought a video game studio and is rolling out five mobile games in Europe as it's trying to bulk up its gaming subscription ambitions and platform. I think, you know, when you're talking about what Netflix is doing as one of the leaders in content, you really want to watch the moves they make because there's someone that's seen something in the marketplace and seen an opportunity. And if they're moving into gaming, it makes sense. And, and I actually just got my PS5. So um, I'm eight years removed from really getting into gaming, but I'm kind of back into gaming myself. So we'll see. We'll see what Netflix has in store. But, you know, the, you know their content slate has kind of been really impressive. We'll actually talk about you know, Squid Game, which was, it's their number one show on Netflix right now. It's, I watched, that was enthralled as soon as I started watching it. If you haven't seen Squid Game, it's a must watch. If you haven't seen Clickbait, it's a much watch. When you're talking about content, that's the thing that Netflix really focuses on. They're bulking up their content. A lot of their content comes in Q3 and Q4. 
um, as, they, as the holiday season, people are being around, people are getting together. So that's super, super um, important to note when you're talking about these content companies. Tesla, Tesla put its self-driving tech in the fast lane. So Tesla finally launched its full self-driving update or FSD for short. It's allowing some owners to activate a beta version of its controversial autonomous tech. Um, and Tesla fans applauded the unfinished feature um, and the shares of the company jumped a little bit yesterday. But yeah, now it's self-driving. The update enables auto steering around urban obstacles like bikers or pedestrians. Man, this is getting crazy. Computers, literally computers just driving us around. Um, if anyone's tried it, let me know. I actually love to try it. That sounds really, really quite interesting um, to be to be in an auto, fully auto, autonomous vehicle. Um, and that's probably the future. We're talking about EV. We're talking about pretty much computers, chips, you know, driving us around, full-fledged technology. That's the way we're headed. Um, an FSD costs 10K up front or $199 a month. An estimated 360K people have already bought it. And that's, if you're one of those 360, let me know how, how it rides. That's really, really, really cool to see. You probably, you've heard a little bit of the news and some of the big Tesla bulls like Kathy and Chamath. And they're actually stating they've sold some of their share, shares because they said they need cash. Again, I've always famously talked about having cash to build buy opportunities. And they're saying they're raising cash to buy other things that they're looking at. Um, so that's uh, something important just to note because um, they're big Tesla bulls. Uh, and now we're going to something else that's really important to note as well. You saw that not one, but two Federal Reserve leaders, the Dallas Fed President Robert Ka Robert Kaplan and Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren announced their retirement yesterday. Um, and both of them have come under fire after new disclosures showed they were active traders while determining the country's monetary policy. So pretty much during the time we we're trying to figure out what we we're going to do and how we we're going to boost the economy during the throes of the pandemic, um, these guys are pretty much buying the dip and executing big trades in, in the fast-growing pandemic stocks because um, they knew what would happen or what would occur um, once we got some liquidity into the system and jump-started the economy through their own policies that they were implementing. Um, and so uh, that's just uh, important to note. So they came under fire, and so they obviously, you know, they're both saying they're retiring or maybe it's a disgrace leaving or retiring or whatever have you, but they are you know, going to be heading out the door. And so it's important to note, um, again, with more education, with more literacy, with more transparency, people are catching these things. A lot of these things have been done for a long time and people just didn't pay enough attention to it. Um, and now you're seeing a lot of attention paying to people at the top doing some different things. Um, and this is on a side news. We're talking about Harvard Business School is moving MBA Masters of Business Administration the classes online to due to a rise in breakthrough COVID-19 cases. Um, as you all know, I did my MBA at UChicago booth, one of the top programs in the country. Um, and to see that my, my experience would not have been the same had I didn't just done it all, all, all online. Not to shade anyone that's having to. It's obviously not by choice, but just thinking about it from a like a logistical and conceptual standpoint, having to do all your classes online through business school, which a lot of it's interacting, meeting new people, understanding, you know, how to interact a little bit with different types of people. It's just, um, obviously you can still do it through Zoom and other platforms, but I don't know if it has that same effect. Um, so we'll see if, if other business schools move that route or if this is a prolonged thing, or, you know, a lot of people are thinking classes are gonna move virtual for, like a lot of classes move virtual for, for good. Um, so we'll keep our eye on that, but that's our news. That's our news this week. A lot to discuss. But next up, we'll talk about 
in the roundtable buying into your financial plan. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to our financial roundtable, where we're going to discuss a little bit what I call just about buying into your financial plan, buying into your own financial plan, because what I do isn't something that can be done without the buying of clientele, the buying of the people that we work with, the many, many people across the country that we work with. And I will say that our people, this community that we built because of the fact that we have done something way different than typical Wall Street, we have received incredible, credible buy-in from our clientele because they understand that one, they're not doing something for me. They're doing it for themselves, for their goals, for their family, for their financial wellness, their financial well-being. So we've seen incredible, credible buy-in. So I will tip the hat off to the community that we're working with. And what does that exactly mean? I think the big thing you have to understand is, is we have to understand is we have to be one, understanding of our goals, right? We have to be understanding of our goals. So why are we doing you know, the certain things we're doing when it comes to our financial plan, uh, whether it's to live better, live healthier, live, you know, more independent, more free, cover things, travel. Those are all things that we have to discover first. And then, yes, you have to understand how to do it. And the how is important because you have to buy into the how. The how isn't magical in the sense of it's some black box. We do know we have to have increase our savings rate. We need to have to do different things, sacrifice. Those things are super important, and that how is very, very important to buy into. And uh, you'll see that a lot. That some people, if you know someone that hasn't reached their goals, and you've asked them what they've done to that, and they don't really have an answer, that's exactly why, right? That's exactly why. Um, and, and so we want to really understand that. And then, lastly, just the what we're getting excited. What what are we doing? Why why are we excited about it? Those are super important things to understand. And a lot of times it's super simple, but it does take time. And a lot of things that people understand is everything that you do that's worth doing in most cases will take time. Maybe it's five years, maybe it's a decade, maybe it's two decades. But if you're doing these right things time and time again, month after month, you're building and compounding strong habits, you're going to see incremental improvement over time. It doesn't just happen overnight, but it's over time. And that's super, super important to understand. So I think this is great. Just a topic to think about, maybe just to refresh yourself on. I think it's awesome the way we're doing things. Um, We're seeing so many people have done a lot of things these past two years that really, really just altered lives forever. Um, And that's that's really incredible to think about. So a patting on the back is is always uh, needed in these sort of times. So next up, we'll go to the question of the week. Question of the week is back. Question of the week is back, folks. And what do we have this week? It's a simple question, but I think it's one that could use a little bit of clarification. So a lot of times I get the question of what's a good bank to use or what's the best account for this? What's the best this or that? Now, it's important to note, like, especially when talking about account types, yes, account types have different ramifications. We've talked about a plenty based on what type of account it is, but that doesn't make the account better just by function. Like it's preferential. It's based on you. It's based on what's going on no account type has some sort of secret or better thing just because it's that account, right? Like your advisor is investing into different strategies, but it doesn't have some inherent betterness to it, if that's even a word. <laughs> um, and the same thing with like online banks or savings accounts or those things. There's no one that's like inherently better. 
like you can say that a functionality of one account is good and someone else might think the functionality of another account is good. Yes, there's different savings rates and different things and high yields, but most of the top high yield savings accounts are going to have roughly the same rate. And incrementally, if it's you know going to make that big of a difference to you, then you can switch based on that. But again, there's no like better or, or inherently better at some big advantageous thing for having different things. You just kind of look at what makes sense for your plan. You look at make what makes sense for you. Look at what user face and interfaces that you like best. And obviously, you know, the people that work with us have probably the best interface when we work with Schwab when it comes to our, our accounts and different things of that nature. But yeah, and, and that's how you go about it. You don't want to kind of overthink this. It's not something that needs to be, you know, thought overthought. Um, and when you're picking some of these things. So just something to clarify, um, if anyone had questions, please reach out to me on that. Um, we're gonna post this obviously in the stories. We actually verified my personal Instagram and personal Twitter now verified. So it gives me a little bit more functionality. I'll be able to post the link of this episode, which I'm excited about for people to hear. Um, we also have the event um, speaking at New Women's Club in Brooklyn on October 5th, October 5th. Um, we'll speaking October 5th, 6 to 7. Uh, it's an event in Brooklyn. New Women's Space is where the event is held. Just go online to their link and get a free Eventbrite ticket, free Eventbrite ticket. You can also look in my profile link and be able to get a free Eventbrite ticket to the New Women's Space event that we'll be talking a little bit about planning for, for people that are self-employed, contractors, whatever. It's, any person that wants to do planning, retirement planning, we're going to talk to them on October 5th. So in about a few days here, um, Tuesday, 6 to 7 at the New Women's Space. I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. And I really, really appreciate all of you guys for listening to this episode. We will talk next week.